Greetings everyone and welcome to the 7th edition of Cinema Effect After Dark. I did it. I finally did it. I'm so excited about that. No one else seems to care though. I'm Zach and I'm joined by my fellow Hans Zimmer appreciator, Jaden. G'day. G'day. Or good night. Good evening. Oh, it's still light outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other thing. You hate daylight saving, right? I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been over this. And uh, a resident Irish citizen, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hello, top of the evening. That's not a thing, but okay. Sure, 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 sure. Top of the morning, um, late top night of, episode, top of the evening. I, I, I like it. I think it's cool, but I don't think anyone's ever said that. Yes, it's called a joke, Zach. Oh, really? Maybe. I learned of this. Should we have a playlist on YouTube for the After Dark episodes, do you reckon? Like, are they that unique that they deserve a playlist? I think there's nothing unique about them apart from you enjoying them as such. I just, I just like the whole idea for no reason. You know what I mean? I just like, I like saying it. I like calling them after dark. I like remembering that we did them after dark, just mm. because it sort of feels like. I like to think it has a special vibe, but it, it mm. really doesn't. You actually can't tell when you listen to it. I don't think. No. But you're gonna bait some innocent viewer into click on it, thinking it's gonna be like a really raunchy episode. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna get like X-rated or whatever, mm. which is like that'd be really interesting for an audio experience. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. How do you guys feel about Luke's suggestion in the Discord about playlists for special guests? I actually genuinely want to run this by you. Is there enough episodes to warrant that? We've got to be in the realm of, we're definitely about five. A couple of things, a couple of spooky. Yeah. 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 A couple of them both. I think we might be there. Might be worth yeah. considering. I don't know. I kind of like the idea, but I just thought, I thought, I don't know. I thought Liam was going to say like. No, that's a terrible idea. Mm. But do we want to acknowledge mm. our weakest episodes? Mm. Maybe not. So I, I love just planning the show with you guys in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Oh, at, right at the start of it for everyone here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places. So subscribe on those things if you enjoy the show. Leave us a rating as well. This week, the film, films. We're reviewing are uh, these Wes Anderson short films. There's a bunch of them that got uploaded to Netflix. They're all based on short stories by Roald Dahl, and we're going to be reviewing all four of them that dropped. So we'll obviously tackle them one by one. Um, they were all uploaded to Netflix in the last week or so, all written and directed by Wes Anderson. And that's basically it. So we can go into each one one by one. Which, What order did you guys watch them in, by the way? Because I, I noted that... Jaden logged a poison, I think, on a on a night by itself. Is that correct? Yeah, I did the same. I watched poison on like uh, like first on a night by myself too. So I'm like, fingers crossed. Did I, I, you? I don't know why. It just, it's just I don't know why. Yeah, I just clicked it. Yeah. That's clear. And I was like, it was a, one of the 17 minute ones. Yeah, sort of stuck out to me. Yeah. Just thought I'll bang it out now. You know. Um, well, I think but it was actually on. the last one to drop though, wasn't it? Like, mm. I don't know. Was it? Just trying to be like a what's it called when you try and like go against the grain? Conscientious objector? Nah, Is that what you mean? Like a Liam knows. Fuck. I can tell in his face. Yeah, I do it all the time. What's it called? Yeah. Um Yeah. I'll, I'll like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, sorry, I'm hoping that Jane, what order did you watch them in? So we might have completely um, been two minds here. One yeah, mind. poison first night. Yeah. I think I watched The Swan two nights later, and then I watched 
Henry Sugar and then the Rat Catcher last night. Oh, okay. All right, close, close, close. I watched um I did Poison, did uh, Henry Sugar, then Rat Catcher, then Swan. What about you, Fitzy? This is so exciting. What did you think? What'd you do? <laughs> um no, I did Henry Henry Sugar first and um oh, yeah. and Ratcatcher on one night and then um before the episode tonight I watched um the other two. Um, Got it. Okay. Poison last. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That's very logical considering that Henry Sugar is like the beefiest one. I feel like it's the main event. I feel like. Mm. I feel like it's the one they're promoting the most as far as I've been able to see. And uh, you know, it's twice as long and all that kind of thing. So I guess we can start there. We can start with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. This film chronicles a variety of stories, but the main one follows Henry Sugar, who is able to see through objects and predict the future with the help of a book he stole. Yes, indeed. All right, Fitzy, what did you think of the wonderful story of Henry Sugar? Yeah, I really liked it. It was, just pretty, it was pretty great. Like in, in general, I like the um, you know frame narrative thing they have going on, um, the meta thing. But it, like in Henry Sugar, it's pretty. Yeah, there's like. A lot of layers to it, I guess. Like at one point, when it goes to the guru, it's like we're like three layers or four layers deep in like that's you know a person telling a story. No, I thought it was really great. The sets are obviously like really amazing, and the way like the you know sets pay atten- um, attention to themselves kind of um, was good. But the story was uh, really like just kind of full, you know, complete. Had a little didactic, you know, moral message and everything, and it was mm. it was nice. Mm. It was good. Oh yeah, yeah, it was very nice. I liked it too. It's yeah, there there are some things to talk about like that sort of are applicable across all of the all of the shorts. So um I guess I don't know we'll touch on them whenever mm. they become relevant, most relevant, I guess we'll try. But um like the sets when you brought that up, that's obviously one of them. But um in terms of yeah, in terms of Henry Sugar, like I thought it was interesting. I know I know so little about Roald Dahl. I don't know if these is it a situation? Have you guys heard of these short stories at all before? Like, I don't know if they're fam- meant to be famous or if they're meant to be obscure, and that's why West did them. I don't really know. Um, Not a single one of them. No, neither, neither. This whole idea of like seeing without your eyes, and like, and that, that being like the premise and the, and the sort of the the interesting concept of it, and w- working to learn that school through meditation and I just thought that was interesting. It was kind of it was, it was really weird. It was also like really rolled out. Like it's actually made perfect sense in that way but um just bizarre and um and i liked how i was sort of pulled in by that and then like ben kingsley and doing all that kind of thing running around the hospital that was interesting and then i didn't really expect because i feel like i sort of forget for it there was a hot minute there like probably 15 minutes in where i was like this is about henry sugar and i've been with ben kingsley for 15 minutes and i sort of like i i hadn't seen the full picture yet you know so then when it comes back to henry sugar and you sort of get his whole arc of what he does and where he turns out. I, I was really into that. I thought it was, yeah, like Vince said, good moral, good story. I just wasn't expecting a was kind of a wholesome, just pleasant sort of story. You know, felt very complete like that. So, yeah, it was cool. It was cool be, seeing Henry become a selfless dude, you know what I mean? Jaden, what did you think of this one? Did I pick the worst time ever? Huh? No, nah, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite strong, actually. For 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 being a thirty nine minute one, I, I I really felt it breezed by. Which I was reading some reviews on Letterboxd, and they said the opposite, which surprised me. Okay. Yeah, I quite liked all the layers. Um, I've always thought myself as quite anti Roald Dahl, but I think, but like after after these like stories, it, it's just made me realize like I just I just absolutely like 
vehemently hate the witches and like that's it and that has made me like have this perspective although like, I, I love i love everything else that's been attacked by him and and like just his books yeah. and his, his other books as well um so it's, it's nice that these that these shorts gave me that epiphany yeah that is just nice. one but you know one bad egg yeah no dude the, the witches the movie is terrible i totally book, agree the book, oh the book yeah hey, i never read it no, i hate the movie shit. I always forget. I always just Roald Dahl's work just seems to like always blend in, like into pop culture for me. Where I just always forget like which ones he did because they're all so well known. Like, is, was he the Lorax? Or was that, no, it's Doctor Zeus, right? I get. Mm. God damn it! Never mind. Is that again? Doctor Zeus. You said that with a Z. Um. Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I never really, never really realized. So you meant okay? You meant Doctor Seuss? Yeah. Doctor Seuss. I've probably always done that and never been called out on it until now, so thank you for that. Um, okay, never mind. Uh, I've got no idea what books have rolled out or not. It, Charlie and the Choc- Chocolate Factory is, though. I know that. Yeah. James and the Oh, that movie's terrible. I hate that BFG. movie. BFG. Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, another West connection. Right. Right. Mm. It makes perfect sense. Never th- didn't think of that. Matilda. Oh, yeah, Matilda. Mm. I hate that movie. Okay. Oh. You, know, <laughs> you just hate like half his actually, the um the, uh, the the musical that they made last year or this year I can't remember so good such fun has Dev Patel so so it's interesting first of all seeing that a lot of these actors cross over between the shorts and a lot of the actors also cross over within the one short like the, the fact that some of the actors play multiple roles in the shorts was kind of weird to me I don't I don't know. I don't really know what I was supposed to f- think about that or if there was meant to be a point to it other than it's just meant to be. I, I really have no clue what the point to it was in terms of why Ben Kingsley plays the, the poker guy as well and why some of them pop up multiple times in this. I don't really understand. If there's like, is, Do you guys know, is there meant to be? Did you take something from it at all, like it, like some sort of thematic connection or practical reason or was it just like totally random to you as well? I imagine it comes just from the way that it's constructed to like kind of mimic a theater production. Mm. I, I, I just thought that I just thought that the, the, the reuse of the actors was the same as the way that the sets are constructed and the lines delivered in the monologues. I just thought that the reusing of them was just part of that that theater kind of um Yeah, that's actually kind of thing. that's a good point. That's a good point. That that really is what it was, because I took note of that mainly with the performances and how much Especially in the Swan, by the way, but yeah. don't want to jump ahead. But just how what what, uh, what Rupert delivered there was like felt like it was something on stage, you know. So that's a good point. But then, yeah, it really is like that with the way they transition between the sets and like when they go up the elevator and all that kind of thing. That's just one tiny example that's all over the place. They're like carrying around the set literally on screen for you. Um, yeah, I didn't really think of it like that. So I guess that I guess that makes sense. Like when Rafe turned up as the policeman as well, like that was funny. So. I mean, I didn't mind it. I just thought it was kind of, I just had no idea what to think of it, you know. But um, I do want to ask, do you guys know if Dev Patel or Benedict Cumberbatch, either of them have shown up in Wes Anderson works before? Because I felt like they were just perfect. Like, I feel like they totally got the vibe of what Wes was going for here. That it, I don't know, it just felt so perfect. I felt like they must have worked together before. But I didn't actually spot them in the filmographies or anything that I was looking at. Mm. Benedict hasn't. I thought Dev might have. I don't know. 
Wow. Okay. Well, in that case, I was I was very impressed with them both in all of these for sure. Like the the main thing that obviously struck me immediately when I watched Poison first, and it's very much the case in in Henry Sugar as well, is how Dev Patel. Like the whole narration gimmick of of Dev Patel having to like constantly break the fourth wall and narrate and and be the character in the scene at the same time, it was it was very funny, and I don't know like the way the way like interrupted and affected the conversations and how they flowed, like he had to pause like the way he has to pause in the middle of talking to a character and then look at us and say he said you know mm. it's just and the way but it's all delivered so quickly it's so it's it, I mean it really makes me very impressed with the performances and everything the actors can do but but like it was just so rapid fire that like even the subtitles were barely helping me you know i was like struggling to keep track of what the hell they were saying because they're talking so fast but these were it some was of the really worst charming. netflix subtitles i've seen and especially or in terms of accuracy Netflix production yeah considering it's a netflix yeah. production and they, 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 they this shit was so out man it really was it was really out the um i i assume that it's taken from the script and that's why it's so yeah. I think we had this discussion before about like how it ends up. Yeah, it probably is, but like that, that's what I think. And I actually kind of, I mean, they were they were off significantly at times, but that's why I kind of liked it because I almost felt like, assuming I'm correct, I think it's a fair assumption though. I, I just actually kind of enjoyed like seeing in real time. I was getting to see what the actors were slightly changing, just just in the flow of the performance. Like they were just usually most ninety percent of the time in these shorts, it was they they were adding the surnames to the characters, um, and they were and they were usually just throwing in maybe an extra adjective or two, sort of just randomly. All that, but all I, I enjoyed that because it just sort of made me zone in a bit more on the performances, you know. But yes, no doubt the subtitles were weird. So you think they improvised? I think that would that would be surprising if they improvised. Like, because it's very, like, precise, you know, very quick. Um, did, did you watch it with subtitles, Fitzy? Um, yeah, I think so. I don't really notice much difference, but... Oh, really? Okay, okay. It. It, was, it was significantly different, like, a lot of the time. Um, well, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't say significantly. It's not like, it's like the whole line was, like, totally made up or anything, but it was, like, the wording was different, but they got, they got there in the same way. It, it very mm. much... It very much, to me, came across like it, the actors knew their lines, and then in the flow of the performance, they were just saying it slightly differently every time, like because they probably oh, yeah. did a few takes or whatever. That's that's and and just being you know in the moment. It could be that's, because I um, that's what it, was. it could be because of the speed, the speed at which the subtitles come up. Um, you need to fill like enough oh. you know, information within the subtitles, so, so they're like because they speak really quickly. So if you put all the words yes. there, you might actually. Um, you know, the speed might not be fast enough to catch, to catch up or whatever. No, well, it so have, almost like, wasn't as it was. It mm. yeah, oh, so you, th- you think maybe they might have, like, strategically shortened the subtitles to, like, make them more readable? Yeah, maybe, yeah. No, that's actually – I never thought of that. That's a good point. I could see that, especially for this. Like, there's other things I've watched where I don't know if that applies as much, but definitely this. They, they, were, they were going crazy. I could barely keep up with reading them just as it was, yeah, and they were they were shorter. So, yeah, that's a great point, actually. So yeah, that whole like fourth wall breaking thing, I thought it was it was really cool. I don't know if it's a, I, because if it's not clear, I'm like a Wes Anderson novice here. I've seen some of his films, but like, I've only seen one other. Of, I've only seen one of his live action films before this, you know. So I'm definitely a beginner in his, in his work. And it just struck me the whole fourth wall breaking thing. I didn't remember it in Grand Budapest, but I could be misremembering that. Um, 
if that was a was a sort of a staple of his or not because it just felt felt very unique. I didn't know if it was a it was like him trying to interpret Dahl or if it was just him being him. I think there's a um I can't remember exactly but I think there's a similar effect in that where over like uh, F. Murray, like whoever, I think it was F. Murray Abraham, right? That was narrating the story. Like yeah, in would, oh, yeah, Budapest. Yeah, he would he would say something, and then um, and then Zero would say the same thing, or Gustav would say the same thing. So it's got that it had that similar effect. Hmm. Okay. I think okay. There's like the frame narrative is like one of his staples. The fourth wall breaking is like it's it's never as like um as intense as it is like in here. But yeah, I think like mm. most of the stories are like a frame narrative at least. Got it, got it, yeah. But yeah, obviously it's intense when Dev Patel's staring at the camera literally like basically reading the book to you, you know. <laughs> Part of me is like, was, as I was watching this this story, I was like thinking to myself, how feasible is this? Do you think you could like actually concentrate on an object for this long and, and be able to see without your eyes? You know what I mean? I'm like trying to weigh this up. And I, I like, obvi- I, I don't think, no, but I liked it. Like <laughs> the fact that you have to put in that much time and, and training into it and the amount of concentration and the way the story sets it up was cool. Like I don't know if I could, it being the first step in learning how to see without your eyes, I don't know if I could think about one object for one and a half minutes, you know. I don't know if I actually could no, do that. I think That sounds it, impossible. It, especially like, like this generation has like such significant brain rot. It's like overstimulation <laughs> of like media of tiktok and shit just killing attention spans like there's yep. no way anyone would have, like if this was true whatever no way anyone yeah. is like you know be able to ever do that yeah yeah oh dude i don't know unless Fitzy, could you do it come on could I, no no way. no no that that shit's impossible well especially i mean great point about today i almost would like to think that it is possible but it's just physically incapable, like as a species, we've become physically incapable of achieving it at this point. You know, just to make us feel really bad about ourselves, I guess. I'm trying to balance how in depth to go. You know what I mean? I can't, it's like it's like a 37 minute short. You know. You I know mean, like it, it, it's been like 14 minutes. I think that like warrants. Has it really? That's I crazy. It's, it's maybe it's been longer. I mean, like oh shit, for a 40 minute short, I think that's that's probably fine. I feel like we haven't actually talked about this, like the Benedict Cumberbatch story. The actual story meat now. of it, though, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really dumb when he started throwing money out the window. But like at the same time, it was kind of, I know that was like perfect though. It was, I guess it's kind of like a Scrooge McDuck thing. Yeah, I, I think that's you'd say. that's like where it was like most easy to identify as like a Roald Dahl story to me because it feels like such a old Wonka esque, right. like type of like change of heart, like just kind of like display of like passion, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is true. But yeah, no. But I I liked it. Like I said at the start, like I think it's a satisfying arc. Like seeing the way it's set up of him like having not not worked a day in his life, and you know sort of just being dull. It literally, it literally says he's not a bad person, but you know he's a whatever person basically. And you know seeing him then basically commit this incredible amount of time to learning this skill that that he uses to help people. It's it's sweet. It's inspiring. You know, it's cool. The whole eleven the way. It was the dialogue was set up where it's like eleven months for two seconds of progress. Like when we got to that point, that was that was crazy, and that just made me feel like I mean I was impressed with Henry Sugar's efforts <laughs> with his fictional efforts. You know what I mean? Because 
that's that's just a crazy feat to have to pull off. And I think he said at the end, it took what was it like three years and three months or something? I think it was of like hardcore meditation practice every single waking hour of the day, basically, to be able to learn this skill. That, like I said, he then goes and uses selflessly. It's pretty. It's pretty admirable, you know. I liked it. I yeah, I kind of forgot about like the the setup. I guess or the, it's not really. It doesn't like pay attention to itself as a setup that he's gonna like, um, you know, reverse his kind of position and like do something good or something or like work a lot, you know, like that. That'll be yeah. the moral of the story. Like, um, so like when it came around to that, I was like, um, yeah, it was like unexpectedly kind of satisfying that it actually wrapped up in a cool way, circled yeah. back to that, like the start. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah, for sure. You didn't get that impression from the start that you know, he had heart of gold the whole time or anything like that. He just mm. he just did it because he wanted to, I guess. Is it is it, I must say though, this might be an ignorant comment, I don't know. But like what's up with Ben Kingsley playing Indians? He plays an Indian man here. He plays Gandhi for some reason. Was he um born in like British or he played India, maybe? I don't know. Like, would that would that allow it? Would that I be mean, okay? It, allow, it wouldn't allow him to play Gandhi, but like it could, like you know, <laughs> offer a remedy to like this story. Maybe okay, okay. I did actually have a brief moment when I, when I thought, yeah, when I, I, thought, thought. When I was watching this. <laughs> I'm not, look, I don't care. I just um, I thought it was kind of he just, no, he, like he, he is Indian. Is he really? I think maybe. See, to me, again, got no clue. Talking out of my ass. He just yeah, looks so like he, the British president. All right, ready, 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 yeah, ready, yeah, ready for yeah. this. He, 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 was a, he was born Krishna Pandit Bunji. No way, like for real? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I, I had a feeling it's going to be the case of that where he just like looks super, you know. He's just the whitest Indian. Yeah. Okay. This is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a lot of questions about India because India just kept showing up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, West does like it, you know, the whole Darjeeling Limited type thing. Is that set in India? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. This oh, yeah. He has Indian go. characters throughout, like, his stories, I guess. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I'm sick so, I'm of so talking about India. Let's get to our final verdicts for the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, Jaden. I forgot that we have to actually score this. Um, <laughs> I mean, like... I mean, I, 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 we never talked about it. I guess we... Do you want to? I guess yeah, I mean, like, I, I do tend to score like every other short film I watch, unless like it's like super like oh, okay, sure. different. Yeah, I can, I can, I can happily slap a, a, a seven on on the wonderful life of Henry Sugar. Just a pleasant time with Wes. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sums up probably none of the rest of these, actually. To be honest, <laughs> um, I'll give I'll give it a seven too. Yeah, it was good. Fizzy. I'll give it an eight. I mean, I won't read them on the box, but I'll I'll, I'll give it an eight. Okay. So have you you haven't logged them either? No, I log them. I just don't like usually read shorts. Oh general. god, we've got so many different clashing philosophies here. So you log them but don't rate them. Jaden yeah, I mean, logs them and rates them. I want to keep track of what I watched, even if it's a short. Yeah. I refuse to rate I refuse to log them. You know what I mean? So oh, really? it's just like Yeah, we got mm. <laughs> we're, we're clashing here. This is weird. Let's move on to poison. When a poisonous snake slithers onto an Englishman's stomach in India. India again? I actually didn't know that. Um, Okay, anyway, his associate and a doctor race to save him. Okay. 
this was on I watched first and Dev Patel, like in his narration and, and the way he spoke so fast really struck me. And he was the star of the show here for me as well. But yeah, I liked this one for that because it was sort of my, like I said, watched it first. I was sort of struck by it immediately for all the things that it was doing differently than all the, all the others sort of did anyway, you know. But um, I don't really get this one. I sort of assumed the whole time that the snake might have not been there. But I feel like at the end there was meant to be some moral to the, to the story, you know, when, when Dev Patel says goodbye to Ben Kingsley in the car and they have that little exchange. I sort of felt like there was meant to be moral to the story I just didn't get. Um, so maybe you guys can help me out there. I don't know. But um, I enjoyed the whole, like, tension of the snake, if the, you know, is it there or is it not? Prior to that, though, I was just kind of confused by the end of it. But, uh, Fitzy, what did you think of this one? No, like, this one was pretty strong. It's probably – what was the other two? Yeah, it was probably like – oh, wait, I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Uh, this one, sugar, and then it's hard to watch four films and review them, guys. Um, no, I, I thought there was a moral there at the end. I thought the moral was that the po- he was racist and that was his poison. You know, there was poison in different ways, and the the they they poisoned the snake who was itself poisonous, and Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, he unleashed his poison upon Ben Kingsley. What do you like? You know, um yell slurs at him um so like i i felt in the same way that um henry sugar came around um at the very end this also did that and this one was also one of the more tense ones that's that's probably the most it had the most excitement to it so i I enjoyed this one yes interesting okay well it did come around like henry sugar but to the opposite where i guess you learn he's a dick hmm yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You, you're neutral on them both at the start, and then they just go the opposite way. Yeah. Okay. I never, Jen, you seemed sort of surprised when Fitzy said that too. I don't know. Was that was that a surprise to you as well? I, I, di- I didn't get that at all from it, to be honest. Um, no, no. I, I, I think when I watched it, I was trying to think, like, I think for, for like a minute, I was trying to think of like something like, you know, what could this mean? But then like yeah. it just slipped my mind immediately. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to figure it out. And I still couldn't figure it out. I just, I sort of chalked his outburst just up to the fact it was an intense situation, and he felt like he probably felt like an asshole for the fact that the snake wasn't there. You know what I mean? And he just was embarrassed. That's kind of, I, I don't know. That's sort of all I thought about it, to be honest. But well, well there is I like, like kind of a strong morality kind of thing in like most of his stories, isn't there? It doesn't. I think Liam's like makes mm. a lot of sense. Oh yeah, no, I, you know, I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense. I definitely thought there was a moral. I just didn't know what it was until now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's that makes perfect sense. So, was the snake ever there? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I, he I thought it was, but it wasn't there. Well, he definitely thought it was. Yeah. No, I don't think it was there. I think he just made a mistake. Right. Okay. And it like it brought out his racism. I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Okay. Okay. The snakes oh, tend cool. to do that. <laughs> yes. If something's going to make me racist, it's, it's probably it's a, a snake. snake. <laughs> to be fair, if you're if you're white in India in the 1940s, you're probably racist anyway. That too. True. Yeah. Uh, this has actually just turned into an episode about India. <laughs> I don't really know a lot about India and like the whole colonialization of that of that place at the time. So like, were there just a bunch of like I know I know Britain occupied the place, right? But was there a large British population as well? Really? So there's just really there were just a, there were just a significant like bunch of white dudes there at the time. Yeah. 
Got it. Okay. Okay. I never really thought, I just never pictured that for some reason. It is okay. your colony that you need to maintain, you know? Sure. Sure. I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying I agreed. Please don't. My laptop might shit itself because I'm trying to make a PDF, by the way. So I might have <laughs> Holy to shit. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like it's really yeah. dying. But you haven't, wait, you haven't even started trying to make it yet? Huh? Is it doing oh, no, it I'm just trying to it? export it to PDF. Okay. But like, you hadn't been doing that previously and it was still making all this noise. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it might really die then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how long James ticks around for. Um, yeah. oh, okay. No worries. Um, another aspect to this. So the roll dial framing is still here. I feel like we didn't explain this well enough, but um, basically every story has different layers depending on the story, but they all, one thing they all have in common is that all these shorts have Rafe Fiennes playing Roald Dahl himself. And at times the story zooms out, get the classic Wes Anderson aspect ratio change. And you zoom out and it's like you get a bit of narration with Roald Dahl actually like explaining a part of the story or something like that, um, which I thought was really cool. Like, I, you know, Rafe Fiennes turning up and all these is great. It, it, the Him playing Dahl was like the main thing for me though. Like I really enjoyed him doing that. And it was just a cool way to, I don't know, I assume, like, I don't know, like, exactly what that portrayal and, like, the little hut he's writing in. I don't know to what extent all that's meant to be based in reality or not, but it, it painted this picture of Roald Dahl that was kind of cool. It kind of gave him an interesting sort of quirky personality, which I liked. And you couple that with, like, Wes playing with the aspect ratios throughout all these, of course, as he usually does. Even I know that, you know. So uh, I, I was impressed with it. These Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl bits, when Rafe turns up, they go into one three three, um, which I think Wes does quite. Oh, I know he does it in Budapest. I don't know how often he uses that one, but um, but then interestingly, the rest of Poison used um was two three five, and that was the only one to do that. I to my recollection, I might have missed something, but um, so it was interesting that he chose. I think probably to go to what Fitzy was saying in terms of it being the most exciting, most tense, like sort of actively of the of the four. I almost said three of the four short films. I think that's probably why he would have done two, three, five for that one. You know, to make it feel a bit more intense, a bit more cinematic in the traditional sense. I would, I would guess, just because I thought it was noteworthy he did that. But yeah, as always, I love, I love that he plays with aspect ratios like that, and he did that here. Because then a bunch of the other ones do a bunch of different things with the aspect ratios that it's probably too too much to even keep track of. Especially, I think the Swan does a fair bit as well. The Ronald Dahl framing is, um, yeah. Pretty cool. I was thinking, like, um, what like the Ronald Dahl's house is very nice. It's very like the set design is very cozy. It's very yellow, um, but like sure. it uses like a lot yeah. of different types of yellow. And I was thinking, like, like what makes you know a West? What makes a West Anderson like color palette look like it does? You know, because like there's this there's this color like buff. Which is a type of yellow, which is very Wes Anderson, um, Wes Anderson like, and I'm pretty sure it's used in this, and it's like really common in his films. But I can't like, like I, I guess he uses like really pastel colors. But um, mm. in the house, I, I like was thinking about that. Like, what? Why does why does every set like have a consistent consistency to it, even though the colors are, you know, all different? I guess. Yes, 
No, I totally, I totally agree with that. I was going to ask about the grading, and I'm glad you you described it way better than I even could. I sort of came up with like, like obviously it's colourful. That's like surface level, but like I would say the colours are kind of soft at times as well. I don't mm. know. Like there's something about yeah the use of colour in all of these and, and in Wes's work that I've seen, where like even like I've seen probably the most other recent thing I've seen is like the poster for Asteroid City, and even that. Like I can tell it's Wes Anderson coloring and stuff. Like you can just, it, yeah, it does have this unique quality to it that, um, like yeah, like you say, you describe it way better than me. But yeah, I thought that was definitely noteworthy throughout all of these. And Roald Dahl's little cabin was like perfect example of the whole thing, you know. Anyway, we explained poison. Let's get to our final verdicts for it. Jaden, are you going to be able to? Are you going to be able to? <laughs> um, I really enjoyed poison. I'll give it it's a strong eight. <laughs> Thank you, Jaden. Live from Los Angeles International Airport, uh, Fitzy. Um, yeah, I'll also slip an eight on it. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, I'll give it a seven. I thought it was good, and uh, I like it more now that I understand it's about racism. And I've learned a lot more about India today, no doubt. All right. Mm. Let us move on to the rat catcher. In an English village, a reporter and a mechanic listen to a rat catcher explain his clever plan to outwit his prey. Fitzy, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this one was, was uh, this felt like the most wrong doll film to me. Um, I, I guess <laughs> if we're thinking the witches, then yes. I, I guess because um, yeah, it is. It is just set in an English little you know village kind of set. And you know, animals are very Roald Dahl e esque, I guess. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it, it, it was a good blend of, um, um, you know, style and story. I felt sure. Okay, okay, yeah. This one didn't really do anything for me. I um, I, it really you saying that about it feeling Roald Dahl is like that's spot on. And I think that's why I didn't really like it in that it leans into the sides of Roald Dahl I don't like. Like it re- leans into the gross. It's just, it was gross. That that was it. It was pretty gross. Um, and it leans into that with the whole rats thing. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really need this one. I appreciated Rafe doing the accent because it was kind of a, it was a weird performance and I kind of liked it. Like the fact they even messed with his teeth was, again, I appreciated the effort. I don't like it though. It's gross. Yeah. This one wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, do I even need to say that he ate a live rat? You know what I mean? So um, that happened in this short. <laughs> you didn't actually see it. I don't want to paint that picture, but um, I don't know. It was all right. Jaden's like, this is <laughs> this is what it looks like moments before you cross to a news reporter live, <laughs> getting his mic sorted. Oh, he's getting, he's coming, yes. Um, what was the question? Holy shit. He's back. Oh, what do you think of uh, the Rat Catcher? Probably my least favorite of the bunch. Um, I, I, I love Richard Arwadi so much, so much. I, like as, as, as an ID crowd fan, as a fan of like the whole British panel show thing, I love Richard Arwadi and Submarine as well. Fuck, love it. Um, so I was really happy to see him like take a prevalent role in a West film or like production. So yeah. But yeah, it, it, it is the it, it is unfortunate to say that you know it, it is it's the weakest of the bunch, and you're absolutely right about it being rolled, like the most rolled all of them. I think in this one, I think it is probably the 
probably the most made for stage one in that the the set like all of them all all of the sets are designed for the stage i feel but this one's like the most stationary one you know i feel like this is like the easiest one to have pulled off on stage apart from like the animated rat um Oh, you know, yeah. even when he puts the rat, the rat, and the ferret in, you know, there's obviously no like, like this one feels like the most stagey, um, in yeah. set regard. Anyway, I took note of when I was watching it the idea of there being like the invisible object, you know, like when the, the the rat, the ferret, and the tin of poison, you know, when he's just nothing in his hands, and I just thought it was really weird, and I just took note of it. Do you reckon that's part of the stage element too? And but without it being like literally, without it literally being like a prop, I don't know, I, I, maybe not though. Yeah, that did serve weird because they did have like what they chose to make as props and what they chose to emit, um, right? You know, at like just across all the shorts. Um, surprised me, not surprised me, but you know, interested me. Something, something about like the idea of having the rat and the ferret not be there was kind of interesting in that you can sort of maybe use your imagination for like how they're squirming around or how grotesque you want it to be, maybe. Maybe an argument can be made there. But that doesn't really explain the tin, though. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there has to be some consistency between them or something. Jaden, what the hell was that accent that Ray Fiennes was doing? Was it Cockney? No? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I just knew it was like when we were ranking British accents last week, I knew it was it's, really? it's low. Did I? Or do you think it's charming? I just think it came from the wrong vessel. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to think that this inspired real things. Oh, wait, no, it was inspired by real things. How, in what world do I want to go to a community where there's people like this? You know what I mean? I guess I'm glad I haven't visited. Right, you should have seen the, 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 the two characters I met today. What? They are this world that you talk about. Like, they exist right now. Really? Well, yes. What do you mean? Where do you, where'd you meet these people today, if you don't mind sharing? Just doubt about. So you don't mind. So you don't want to share. Got it. <laughs> Loud and clear. Okay. Fitzy, hoping you can explain this to me. Is this one also about racism? Because, the, the, or maybe it's about I don't know animal cruelty or some shit. Because the ending also confused me. I missed the moral on this one. I must admit. Actually, you know what? I missed the moral on all of them except Henry Sugar. Um, oh. and Henry because Henry Sugar's basic shit. So, I, I'm gonna ask it for the next one as well. Actually, but. The whole idea of the rats not eating the poison arts, you know? Yeah. What the hell was going on there? Wait, sorry. Just before, did you, did you, did you understand the twist, right? I don't think so. What do you think happened at the end there? He ate a rat and then the other rats didn't die for some reason. Right. But you didn't, you didn't, you didn't pay attention to what was in the background when they panned back to Richard. No. No? I don't don't think I know what you're talking about. Uh, On the, on the, on the poster. On the poster behind Richard, Richard was a—he played a reporter in this town. On on the poster board in the background, the, the big headline said, "Some guy missing for like three days or some shit." It's implied that there was a body inside the hay, and that's what the rats were eating. When he says they must have something nutritious to eat in the haystack, is implying that the body that's been missing is hidden in the haystack, and that's what they were eating instead of the poison oats. Okay, oh. hang on. So you, but that was only that was that was a poster. That was a missing poster in the background. Yeah, and that was it. Not a character we saw. Just it, was a, it wasn't a character we saw, but like the way that that the, the way that they like the the, the the way the reporter said, you know, it was like there must be something nutritious in the hay. It, it was Owen Wilson. 
Alan Wilson was the guy in the poster. Was it? But, oh, really? I, I thought. I, I I thought the ending line meant like the rats, the rats were like eating themselves or something, but that, that makes more sense. But like, well, okay, okay, all right, all right. I missed that detail, right? But I think my question still stands. Like, what, okay, so the rats were eating a body in there. Like, what? Okay, what? what? Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? What's the moral? I don't know. Everybody has rats, is what's said. You know, everyone's got secrets. Everyone's got dead bodies in the closet. You know. Like, oh, okay. All right. Oh, isn't? Oh, hang on, dude. Let's it, do it. Let's even do it. the rich one up on the hill has 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 secrets. You know. Right, and mm-hmm. as in, as in, like we're all basically the rat catcher, but we don't. We're not so overt about showing it. You know what I mean? We're all kind of scummy. Am I well, the rat far? catches the pure one. He's the one that 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 is exposed. Oh. You know, like oh, actually, maybe not, maybe not pure. He cleans up. He, you know, when people get close to finding the secrets, you know, he's he's the one that cleans it up. He cleans the rats. Right, right, okay. So we should. So we want to. The moral of the story is: let's embrace our inner rat catcher. Perhaps eat some um, rats. Eat some rats. Um, dude. Yeah, maybe the rats were. They needed to get out because. Um, you know, the fact that they're all in there means they, they ate someone, so the secret shouldn't be held within, you know. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah, no, that's it. We got it. We got it. I love... Um, but it's a lot of those gonna... lines. Yeah, we're close. Yeah. I love how um, I'm, I'm definitely going to cut this to make us not sound really dumb. But um... Can't understand children's stories. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> That was, dude. That would be me if I read any of these Roald Dahl stories, though. Let's be honest. Ratcatcher not explained. We don't know. We're still speculating. But there was definitely something to it that was a vague moral about the Ratcatcher maybe not being so bad, possibly. Um. Yeah. I don't know. This was. Uh, I don't know if there was a message for this one. I don't know if it's so much about the Ratcatcher as it is just about the people that seem normal. As much as it's about the others, about mm. Rupert Friend being a regular ass mechanic. But he's not. And about Owen. And about Owen he killed Wilson. The guys. Oh, he killed Owen Wilson. Oh, maybe I don't know. I thought I to, 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 I, I just assumed that him and the reporter were wow. in cahoots. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. That would have been cra- that would have been crazy. So there was an actual. If you're telling me there was a background murder that took place in this whole thing, well, that would have been pretty impressive. All right, let's get to our final verdict for the Rat Catcher, Jaden. Uh, I don't know. Uh, six, I guess. Yeah, probably, probably the weakest of the bunch. I still did enjoy. I still enjoyed the little kicker at the end that you guys missed. Um, yeah, I definitely missed it. Yeah. I know. And I think the, the the set was. I mean, all the sets were quite cute and quaint. You know, I don't know. I liked it. Okay, all right. I'll give it a five. I thought it was kind of gross, and uh, I missed the point. Fitzy. Ten. Ten out of ten. No. Um. <laughs> seven. Seven. Okay. All right. All right. Last but not least, the Swan. A small, brilliant boy is tormented by two large, idiotic bullies. Interesting. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat for this one. This is my favorite, um, which what? is especially impressive since, like, a lot of it's a lot. This one, I just had a fair bit to write about this one, actually. Like, I, a lot of its events aren't even conveyed literally or physically for us on screen. And I still was, like, really immersed in them. I was, yeah, I just thought the, the action of, like, moving through the production of it, like, in a way, it's. In, I like making these theater comparisons because, in a way, like when I watched it, it felt the most theatery. Like I was saying earlier with Rupert's performance, um, but at the same time, 
it was almost the least theatery because it has so much movement. Like it really, like the rat catcher we were just talking about, like bloody, is just basically in this little, I don't know. It was may as well just literally been a stage, a stage, you know, it was just basically nothing, no space. This was like, felt like I went on an epic journey, even with all the still conventions of the set changing and stuff like that. And I don't know, it felt like, I felt like a lot happened here. Rupert Friend walking a lot, you know? Felt like there was a lot of motion to it. Anyway, I'm going on and on. Fitzy, what do you think? Yeah, this one was fine. I was kind of disengaged for this one. I don't know, like, it had the least amount of people in it. It was just like the, it was pretty much the most narrated one. And the, the paying attention, like, paying attention to, like, the artifice of the sets was cool, how they said, like, open the door or whatever. But, um, Mm. Apart from that, I didn't get much, much, uh, as much enjoyment as you have seemed to have gotten. So, yes, probably my least favorite. Okay, understood. Um, TikTok brain, Liam, very good. Ah, mm. Jaden. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I did really enjoy this one as well. Probably like the most emotionally invested I got in these characters. Um, yes, yeah, and given the short amount of time, quite impressive. Yeah, I think the stagecraft. Is probably at its best here, which and it does feel like stagecraft, you know. Yes, yes. Um, I do love how all those blokes just keep popping out and just handing him shit and just you know just be out. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I guess I, that- I, I think, I think in that way it feels like the most like the love child of theater and then screen production because that doesn't you know in in a live show you know you try to obscure kind of the handing of. You you try you you try to obscure that that aspect, you know. Yes. Whereas, yes. It, it, like Wes kind of wanted to bring attention to it in his frequency and in like the actual like acknowledgement. He really did. Yeah, and there's that, and like for me, like the what the standout sequence in it was probably the like the train going over his head. Mm. Like that one, that was quite that was very much fueled by the camera there. Like it wasn't that wasn't as much just like performance. You know what I mean? Um, so that was like, yeah, the, that was the other side of it where that was sort of the, the, the film cinematic side of it, like elevating it. And then, yeah, I, I just thought this one was really interesting. It, it's, it's funny how like, even with film as the medium, we're talking about the, the way it balances mediums and stuff like a lot in the story is still left to the imagination. Sort of like I was saying earlier, but, but almost as if you were reading it, this one, I bet I found like a lot of the actions are still just being described by the characters. They stand there. You know what I mean? Like, like specifically when they describe the violence that, what's the kid's name again? Ernie? Oh, no, that's one of the bullies. Um, Peter? Peter. What was it? Yeah. Peter. Thank you. Um, when they're describing, like, the violence that's happening to him and stuff, usually it's just Rupert Friend standing there and the kid standing there. It's, like, looking at the camera. But, like, maybe there's there'll be small little movements, like he might slowly tie his hands or whatever. Like, there's small little things happening on screen where – I don't know. I feel like it should kind of be boring, but I, I wasn't bored. Like it really felt like I was experiencing it as if I were reading a book, as in I'm not literally seeing any of this stuff actually happen. It's being described to me. But I don't know. Even still, I was just engaging Rupert's performance and, like I said, the movement of the camera and all that kind of thing as he was walking. That it was just this weird blend of it almost felt like I read this film, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, which it's just hard to describe, but there was definitely something unique happening, I felt, especially with this one and maybe a bit with all of them, but, um, yeah, I felt it more with this one, as I said, yeah. Mm. It was like a design, design-guided design audiobook. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
Yeah. And like, uh, just to wrap that up a little bit, like, like I was saying earlier, like the way it showcases actors is great. Like Rupert Friend's performance here was my favorite, probably of the everything um, across all of the shorts. And there's obviously no shorter great performances than them. So um, shout out to him for that. The way he's able to just like do these long takes narrating, staring into the camera while walking. And then the, the thing that is obviously very funny, but like I thought it was really cool was when he is able to like, is it Raymond? I think is one of the, the other bully, I believe. Whichever character it was that he gave a funny voice where he goes like, he gives them like a high pitched, like stupid child voice. Mm. Um, but he does it so seamlessly. And again, everyone in these shorts is speaking so fast that he's basically going a million miles a minute and like has time to quickly throw in a stupid voice for this character. I just thought it was very charming. If I were sitting in, a, again, making the theater production, uh, the comparison, if I were sitting, you know, in a theater watching that performance, I'd be very impressed with it. So, and all the timing he has to do as well. Just makes you, I don't know, shout out to actors is all I'm saying. It makes you realize how talented these people are. What also highlight that this is written for stage, but made like designed, written for stage, but designed for, for, for the, for the screen is the fact that it actually like all these shorts, but particularly in this one, it, 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 it uses cuts. Like, cause like the biggest thing to, to really sell the stage point would be don't cut it, just have it or like, you know, have seamless cuts, but like, you know, each, 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 each of the shorts, they, they use their cuts well and they use them in a artistic manner, you know, to, 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 to kind of when they need to and how they need to. And, and, and you know, there, there is intent behind them. Um, so that shows that there's, there's a respect for the film medium as well, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's, that, I, I, yeah, I think that's what really sells these, honestly, is that, is that it's this hybridization, you know? Yes, exactly, exactly. It blends them, yeah, perfectly and also just, yeah, perfectly for the stories as well. Like this one was done differently to the others, you know. I've got mm. no idea what's involved in directing theatre, to be honest. I presume it's a lot of directing actors and, like, designing the sets. And I mean, I, I, it's directing the whole production, I get that. But, like, I just can't picture it as well, you know. Well, theatre is, like, pretty, pretty like, uh, like big theme, I guess, in West Anderson films, like Rushmore. There's a theatre set, and um, oh. one of the characters in Tenenbaums writes theatre. So he's probably like he's probably like a theatre kid, I guess. He's probably like yeah, sure. Rushmore, sure. the theatre director in school or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can tell he loves actors, so that doesn't surprise me at all. That's cool. It's recurring like that. In terms of the actual story, though, how how the hell was any of this based on an actual event? Because I, I was trying to figure out how this very if you were to try and de-escalate like what we experienced in this short and try and, and translate it into a real event, I was just trying to figure out how you'd even do that because I guess you could say that it was about two boys bullying another kid that ended up dying sort of accidentally. I guess you could say that that could have happened to someone. Um, that's the only thing I can really think of in terms of like the person dying by accident or something worse like that, you know? But it- he didn't die because it was, the, it was the adult version of him narrating it. Like what? As in Rupert Friend? Yeah, that was him as an adult. Holy fuck. Okay, you guys just – okay, I'm going to stop talking. Please exp- explain what happens in this to me. But just, just despite knowing that, I did – I thought he died at the end as well. Mm, I was wondering, like, what happened. Yeah. I mean, I was confused about what literally happened, then, but my mum explained it to me. I had to go back a few times. What did your mum say? 
Well, I I just didn't. No, don't worry. I I had just bad misinterpretations of the ending. Well, okay. I'll t- I'll t- tell me if it's worse than this. I I assumed that the kid fell and died. <laughs> I didn't understand anything in terms of like he became the swan for a day or whatever. No, he didn't. He he glided around. I didn't understand that at first. But I thought. Um. I, th- I thought he was like just landing in the water and that it was supposed to represent water or something, but um, he glided he glided around the thing and you know people watched him watched a swan glide around and they landed in their backyard. Oh, as it wait, that's literally what happened. I think so. Hmm. Like he glided around with those dead with those dead swan wings. Hmm. Oh, okay. Like oh, okay. Because I, I, I understood. I, I, I was like the trees on top of the lake. So how come he didn't just fall into the lake? And I thought he was diving towards a light that was a that he saw in the lake, but the light was above the lake. He's talking about the horizon. So he dived towards a horizon, and then he went in a circle around town where people, three people saw him. They said something about like he circled. Three people saw a great white swan circle yeah. or something. At the very end, like Rob Dahl's narration says that. Maybe maybe the crash landing is meant to represent like a, a death of and this is a childhood sort of shit. I, see, I was thinking more in that vein, in terms of like, I didn't think he literally flew around town and landed in the backyard. I understood that was a description of it, that everyone saw him in town and he landed in the backyard. I I thought more like, yeah, like he actually fell into the river and died. I was saying that more as metaphor. Like he actually fell yeah. into the river and died. And then and that was like his lasting impact or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that was his, people in the town remembered him. I don't know. That's sort of more in the vein of what, where I was going with it. Yeah, of like but he didn't fall in the river. He fell in the backyard. But I didn't think how could you actually? I was, I was too busy thinking how the fuck could this guy actually fly around town and fall in the backyard? No, it's yeah, that's what I didn't understand at first. That's why I had to go back and. But uh, uh, I thought okay, so even though it's obviously grass at the end that he's looking at, for some reason I thought yeah that was just him like in a river, like as in he just went straight into the river, you know. But are, are you saying well, as in you literally back, thought okay. you were looking at river or you yes. understood it was the lawn or and, and but it was metaphor for the river? I don't know. Yeah, I guess I thought it was river. I don't know, which, which sounds dumb, but. Okay, okay. Um, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't know. You can't possibly sound more dumb than me on this episode. Don't worry. Um, okay. Wait, so have, wait, hang on. I'm sorry. I've lost track of if we've reached any conclusion on what actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, I'm confused too now because now, now you now you make me question um whether or not it was literal or not, and I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it is. I don't question if crazy shit can happen in a roll in a roll dial thing, but hmm, that's why I was like wondering. Yeah, if it's like a yeah. realistic story. Or not. Well, then this makes me okay. Well, I guess this takes me back to my first question of how it could be a real life parallel. Like, if we were to try and distill it to its simplest form, like what would it actually be? Is it? Does the kid even die? He's a light boy, right? So maybe he did fly. <laughs> maybe he did glide for a few seconds. Right, but then he died. But he didn't die. No, in, I don't think in either interpretation he died. Well, so you thought he face planted in the lawn and then got up? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But wasn't it pretty clear he died? No? But the, the, the adult is narrating, so how can he have died? 
That's what Jaden said. I don't, I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't know. All right, let's get to our final verdicts for this one. Jen, are you reading about it or are you just have you quit on this conversation? Oh, he's reading about no, it. No, no, okay. I'm reading. Just, just, just hold on. All right, all right. Shit, we've got to stall until Jane can explain it. Right. So, so, so it's about the trauma go. of bullying, right? And that's why that's <laughs> that's why we see both versions of 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 Peter wearing the wings, right? Because it, it stayed with him in the story. In Rodal story, it's pretty clear that Peter doesn't die. But West changed that to make it more ambiguous for some reason. Okay. But like, I thought it was ambiguous. I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the story, like, the boy just flops over. Like, he faints. And, and the mum, like, gets him help or some shit. But, like, yeah. So the swan symbolized wisdom, innocence, and all that shit. And that's linked to young Peter. And then, and then it's a story about his loss of innocence. So I, I was kind of right. Okay. But the tree is over the lake, you know? Like, there's a show in the backyard. <laughs> there's a show in the backyard next to the tree. No. But it's a real doll story. Boys fly, man. Yeah, okay. If, if Peaches can be giant and Matilda can do magic, why can't this boy fly? Uh, I agree. Seconds? I agree that he can fly. But I don't agree that... He could arrange the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree that he can... I agree with that as well. I just don't agree that... Um, he can the, 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 I don't know the, the, like the, the things next to the tree because they don't show that <laughs> like what does it mean if he didn't fly why would they show him on grass landing on grass because he lands in the river he flies because he has an indomitable spirit you know the the, 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 the indomitable human spirit you know Peter has that yeah, I, get, I, get, I get all that. I, care. Jane, I don't care about the the meaning here. I'm just saying uh, like, from a literal perspective. Like, but why are you looking for a literal perspective in the, in, in a real doll story? But if he, if he landed in the river, okay, let's sure. say he landed, landed in the river, why do you represent that with him landing in a woman's backyard? It's his backyard. And oh, yeah, true. Okay. In the story, in the story he faints and his mum calls for help. So to, to to me, I'm wondering: is this perhaps an exacerbation of, of of child? Is this him remembering his childhood more severely? Is it to show how like severe the effects of bullying are? That as he's grown, his trauma has grown as well, to where he does think that, you know, he was shot at and boys cut up swan wings and put them on him. You know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. It's like. <laughs> he was using his imagination the whole time. And he just fainted in his backyard. Like after some bullying. Yeah. So as a child, yeah, it was it was simple, but he's carried this trauma and the traumas. Right. Right. Maybe. So, sorry, hang on. That's your interpretation of what you just read. That's my interpretation of what I read about their interpretation. Uh, okay. Okay, all right, let it clear. Um, none of us got a clue, but I like the sound of that. That sounds kind of cool. Well, that, hang on, that would, in all honesty, I didn't I didn't even understand that Rupert Friend was Peter Older. So that would at least he explain says, that. says, I am Peter. Does he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's get to our final verdict for the swan. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. So I clearly understood it. 
Oh my god. I don't even know if I can I was gonna give it a night because I really enjoyed it, but can I even give it a night if I clearly understood nothing about it? <laughs> oh <my God>. Give <laughs> um, it a for vibes. I'll give it a night for vibes and and shout out again to the train scene. I actually thought that was pretty good. I felt the tension of that with literally nothing happening on screen. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, I'll give it. I'll give it a I'll give it a night, Jaden. Yeah. Um. A from A too. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was one of the stronger ones. The second strongest, even perhaps. Well, I give it a six. Um. I mean, uh, yeah. So just it's the most confusing story I've ever watched. Where was the like? <laughs> Yeah, what, why? I don't, I don't get it. Um, but no, it was just a bit weak in terms of um, you know uh, drama and engagement and stuff. So I give it a six. Excellent. All right, we did it. Um, I can't talk about these any longer, to be honest. <laughs> but we did it. We did a quadruple feature. Congratulations to us. What a huge feat. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Let me tell you, if we can do it, anyone can. And that's thanks to Zencaster. Like a lot of other podcasts out there, our show is recorded over the web every week. But trying to record a podcast with platforms like Zoom and Discord can be an audio quality disaster. I'm sure you've heard some of the podcasts I'm talking about with long delays, sound cutting in and out. It is not pleasant. Zencaster captures studio quality sound for all of your guests right from your web browser. Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. And with Zencaster's all-in-one platform, you can create and distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations all in one place. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code CinemaEffect to get 30% off your first month of any paid plan. That's Zencaster.com slash pricing with promo code CinemaEffect with an E for 30% off today. Feel a sense of zen with Zencaster. Let's get to our highlights of the week. Fitzy, what have you been watching? Uh, I watched the murder, the motorcycle diaries, which is uh, a nice film about um, Che Guevara, whatever his name is. Um, when he was younger, he went on a little motorcycle journey with a friend um, across South America, and it's just them learning about, uh, you know, the indigenous people of different South America countries and like, uh, you know, poor people of these countries and stuff. And it's a nice road trip adventure movie. Um, it's not very like challenging or anything. It's very, uh, simple and pretty much what do you, what you'd expect, but it's a good, uh, Spanish film. I'd recommend it. Yes. That was, I think that was the only new thing I watched this week. I did. I rewatched some stuff, so yeah. I've been watching uh this uh this new stand series called Court. It's uh oh it's really mm. yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. I love it so far. I'm only three episodes in, but it's great. I'm not very familiar with these actors, like name wise, but like you just see them and you just know like these people. Like you know, you, you know, you know how it is with Australian actors. You just see mm. them everywhere. Ads, neighbors, I don't know what whatnot. It's just like, oh, it's great to see you again. Although I have no idea, like, what your name is, you know. You've but seen like, on the project. You probably, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just like, it's exciting to see actual, like, good quality Australian television instead of free to air kind of schlock. Sure. So is this? Do these release weekly? What's the deal with that? No, no, there's six episodes that dropped at once. Oh, cool. Okay. So, you, do did you finish it? No, no, only three episodes. In. Got it, got it, got it, cool. Okay. 
let us know how it goes. Oh, no, I got, sorry, I basically got nothing. I watched, I finished Star Wars Rebel Season 2 rewatch. It's the slowest rewatch of all time. Uh, season 2 is great. I think Season 3 is even better. So I'm looking forward to keep going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Excited um, for you. Thank you, Jaden. Excited. I'm also excited for a show that came out in 2016. Dude, that season two finale, man. I could speak. I could literally like do a five-hour podcast on it. It's so good. Anyway, I'm sure. I'm sure you could as well. Well, that comes next week. Yeah, we'll basically do our version of that in a few weeks. Now it's time to hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, "What is the best Wes Anderson ensemble assembled?" Ever so far. Ever so far. Hmm. Ever so far. I'd like to think there's a few more to come. Luke said, Fantastic Mr. Fox in memory of the late Michael Gambon. That's a great shout. Do you actually say Gambon? I always thought it was Gambon. I don't know. I guess that's just the Australian in me. Well, I've never actually heard it said, so I couldn't no. remember wrong. Yeah. Fitzy, would you have said Michael Gambon or Michael Gambon? Gambon? That's an error, I guess. I don't know. You're like closer to Europe than than us. Well, you know what I mean? Like closer to that. You guys are technically closer to Europe. Yes, but you know what I mean. Bloody. Anyway, uh, I feel like you are more. I was going to say British. That's so wrong. I, I'm just going to. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox had an incredible cast. I re-looked at it. That's mm. a great shout. Anyway, um, Annie said the best Wes Anderson ensemble assembled so far is the French Dispatch because it has Timothy Chalamet. I think Doctor Luke will agree. Why? Wasn't the question asking what's your favourite Wes Anderson ensemble assembled so far? Oh, guys, stop <clears throat> me, please. Um, I appreciate Andy trying to trigger Luke, but would that be his actual answer? Like, does it? Do you guys know if Andy likes the French Dispatch? He oh, does. Yeah, it does. But I think also okay. because it's framed around best, I think French Dispatch might probably have the most. Like, like the largest kind of ensemble and like probably the most impressive because of its three stories. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So does that add to it? I haven't seen it. So, so I did a bunch of, uh, I just looked at all these casts because I've never seen these, a lot of these movies. French Dispatch did look impressive. Sort of a much more sort of modern. Is Saoirse Ronan in that one too? Yeah. Right. She's you like, got, a, and you got, I think she's like a cameo. Oh, okay. Okay. This one looks stacked with like more, like obviously Timmy, like that era of, of actor, you know, like sort of the more up-and-comers compared to some of the other ones. That's sort of what I thought looking at it. Um, not to say it doesn't have some of the some of the old favourites, you know. So that looked like a strong contender to me. I needed to, I needed to get the links up to remember who's actually in these ones without it, that I decided on. But, um, Jaden, I feel like – oh, you, you guys are both much more into Wes Anderson than I am, so I want to hear what you thought about this. I've seen everything bar Astro City. Um, wow! Yeah, these these casts, you know, they're, they're like family to me, especially the recurring ones. Sure, you know, Bill Murray, like, it's like dad. Um, I don't know, like I like I I want to say, like like I think they all do just have such fantastic casts. Uh, but you know, I I, I think I will probably say Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Um, just looking at the list. Again, there I saw Brian Cox was on it and Helen Helena McGrory. Yeah, and, and and you know it's just interesting that you know these they, small guys slip through, you know. Right. Um, but you know, obviously, you know George and all that as well. Um, I think it's always impressive getting like the big names for vocal roles. Sure. 
sure. Not that I, I agree mean, with I'll... It, but you know. Oh, why? Well, because you're about giving voice actors more work. No, I couldn't care less, dude. Get all my favorite actors just getting saying three lines into a microphone. Um, I mean, he does. He really does. I know we did it on the show, but he really does the same thing with the Isle of Dogs. Like, obviously, Bill Murray. You know, who would have thought? But then just packed with, and if Murray Abraham, if Murray Abraham being like a recurring West one as well, but like just also stacked with some of my favorites personally. Like you got Ken Watanabe in there. Don't know if he's ever worked with West before that or after, but it's like, dude. You're speaking my language. Brian Cranston, speaking my language. You know what I mean? So you just I feel like that's like the perfect like Wes cast combined with just a few little uh a few little spices there for Zach, you know, just for me. Um Harvey Keitel, I think he's in other West films, but I love him, you know. My actual answer, I hate to say it, dude, though. I hate to say it, but bloody it it's gotta be the Grand Budapest Hotel, you know what I mean? It has to be. Ray Fines as the lead? Is he the lead? Would, would you say? I feel like oh, that's how yeah, I remember. Yeah, it. I don't think okay. he's the lead. Yeah. Okay, and who's the kid? Or is he Tony the... Ravioli? Is he the main character, really, or not? He, he's probably the second main character. God. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I remember it being those two sort of the most. Um, but yeah, that's a great one too, man. I freaking love Ray Fiennes. If you can't tell, Willem Dafoe's in that. Adrian Brody. Oh my god. That, I, I didn't want to say that one because I've said it before too many times. But yeah, it's stacked. Stacked, man. stacked, stacked. Edward Norton. Oh, yes, Lance Sedaris in it. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. Owen oh, Wilson has a cameo. Bill has a cameo. You know. Oh, fantastic, dude! That's a banger right there. If Ray Abraham again, Tilda Swinton, love it. Tilda Swinton, yeah, she's recurring. Yeah, yeah, dude, some great ones, some great ones for sure. Fitzy, if you if you got a little surprise for us, no pressure. Hmm. Well, I can't have a, I can't really have a, you know a surprise because I think the, unfortunately the answer is um the French Dispatch. I think the French Dispatch kind of just has um like insane uh, um levels of random cameos and shit, mm. and it, it has most people you speak of. But then there's like you know Elizabeth Moss shows up and fucking Henry Winkler and fucking just random. Yeah. Mm. Oh really? He's like a man, right. man guy in one of the shots. Um Oh, okay. But yeah, I think I think I've answered this for like one of the like, I think we asked like what is like the most stacked cast like of all time. I think it was one of my answers. Um oh, yeah. so I think it's definitely the most stacked French um the West cast, even though I don't like it that much. Um Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Did you see City? Yeah, I'll start with Andy. Yeah, I, mean, mm. I thought I thought you did. Yeah. But you guys had very different experiences. Though. Yeah, a bit of friction. Mm. Right, right. Asteroid City stacked too, though. Like, dude, you got Tom Hanks in that. That's mm. like, I feel Steve like Tom Carl, Hanks is Tom worth Hanks, like three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's crazy too. He's just. I feel like it's honestly like his cast have always been stacked. Like I'm looking at the Life Aquatic right now. Right, that was that's stacked. Kate Blanchett, you know. Michael Gambon, Jeff Goldblum, like stacked again. But like, I feel like he's just stepping up. I feel like it's only getting better. I, I, I would not be surprised if his next one's actually that ends up being the best one, you know what I mean? And so on. I don't know. How much bigger can you get before you just like become like a parody of yourself, you know? Like at what know, point try. At what know. point does it just become, you know, self-masturbatory of just getting these I people? mean, the tractors have already, you know, said that for the last like five films. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The last two yeah, films yeah. especially. But yeah. 
Apparently, like as like even like the leads get paid fuck all. Like, I think Edward Norton was saying in like an interview, like you know, you don't do a worse film to get paid. You know, you do it for four thousand dollars. <laughs> four thousand dollars, holy shit! Is the French Dispatch is watching that kind of akin to like watching these shorts in that? Because I actually didn't know that though it was three different stories. Is mm. it kind of like was it actually more similar to watching these shorts on Netflix than like I would have thought? You know what I mean? Um, in terms of them, like, they, how separate are they really? And, like, do they have sort of what unifies them and that kind of thing? Yeah, they're, they're more like um, each of the shorts in the French Dispatch are more, like, stylistically, like, distinct than usual. I think one's, like, there's big, there's, like, long black and white sequences for, like, one of them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you've seen it. Enough they, they, they are linked in the same manner of, like, they are stories told in a newspaper, like, in the way that these are rolled, told in, in in the way that these four are told by one person, Roldell, those four, those three, technically four because it's three, and then plus the newspaper story. So like, yeah, you know, I guess I don't know. Right, I I guess you could say like I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Maybe these shorts could have worked as one film. Yeah, like if you had, I mean, they sort of almost do with like Roldell being the the boss level layer of it all. You know, connecting them as he does. Yeah, I, I I think French Dispatch might have been a lesson of learning, though, in in, in, in in perhaps don't structure films like this in the future. Oh, okay. Do do them as Netflix shorts instead. Yeah. As always, we'd love you to submit your responses, thoughts, and or reviews for next week's film in the YouTube or Instagram comment sections or join the Discord server. This week, the specific question we'll be asking you is, what is your favorite DreamWorks animated movie? I don't know these guys as well as Pixar. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Pixar fanboy. So like, I know every, I know what movies are Pixar and not. I don't really, I can't really make the clear distinction of what's a DreamWorks movie and what's not right it's now. strange since DreamWorks makes better movies, but you know, whatever. That's absolutely wank. Oh my God. That's one of the worst takes. Of, no one, I, okay. No one actually thinks that though, right? I just want to. I think I this week when I have a look at them like side by side, I think I might end up on DreamWorks side. Oh my God. All mm. right. All right. Um, remind me to quit the show. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Fitzy, what are we doing next week? Shockingly, not a DreamWorks movie. Yeah, no, we're not a Disney movie. Um, or as Zach likes to call it, uh, Prince of Egypt, not a Disney movie, um, which is yeah. not on Disney. Um, it's on Foxtel, so Zach will be out a few dollars, but um, it's okay. He, he can put it on my tab. He knows I'm good for it. You know, just when it, when it hits a hundred dollars, just notify me and I'll think about paying it. You know, um, but Prince of Egypt is a book, is a, a movie based on based on a book, um, Book of Exodus. Um, uh, it's two brothers, and one of them's going to rule Egypt, and one of them's going to unite his people. You know, which in the movie I don't know who it is, but in the Bible it's the tribe of Israel, the Israelites. But we'll see who it is. Um, and it's no spoilers. A, Revered animated movie. Does it has it got songs? I think it has songs. Oh yeah, songs. Oh fuck me. All right. See so how we go. <sighs> no worries. Thanks guys for joining me. After dark. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye.